Welcome in to the CHGO White Sox Podcast, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook. Download the app today and use promo code CHGO when you sign up. Welcome into Studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm Sean Anderson, the host of the CHGO White Sox Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. And alongside me, as always, is the full CHGO White Sox crew. We got Vinny Duber, the CHGO White Sox Beat writer, you can follow him on Twitter at Vinny Duber, and the man in the middle is Herb Lawrence. Hello, rocking the CHGO Skyline shirt. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. Uh, happy New Year again, guys! It is still the New Year. If you didn't know, uh, we got some interesting stuff to talk about today. Um, Mark Burley is taking. One hell of a ride in the 2023 uh, Hall of Fame ballot. There is going to be a 2024, folks. So there is going to be a fourth year of Mark Bally on the bo- uh, ballot. We'll talk about that in a second. Very excited about it. Uh, and then we're going to take a little bit of a deep dive into Andrew Benatendi. Found some funny things, found some interesting things, and uh, excited to learn more about this uh, this young man who the White Sox signed to a five-year, $75 million contract. Uh, excited to meet him uh, very, very soon, hopefully, uh, in this new year. Yeah, and uh, I was uh, not shocked because I've seen his career, but can we draft an Andrew or get an Andrew that's over 5'10"? Goodness gracious, we got the people are <laughs> smaller than me. I feel good. I feel good about uh, my height. I'm looking down at these people. Ben Attendee's 5'9", Andrew Vaughn is like 5'9 himself. So, yeah, it's they both can hit their asses off. That is one thing that they both have in their tool bag, and I'm very excited when this thing becomes official eventually. I know that, you know, he was on vacation and there was no re- reason to rush a, a press conference, but, you know, it's getting a little antsy, especially with the Carlos Correa thing, and I know it's not the same, but, you know, until it's done, it's not done. Hey, you know, you know from watching the San Francisco Giants, the 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 perils of uh, scheduling a press conference oh, before God. everything's uh, officially taken care of. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> also, is Andrew Vaughn shorter than six feet? Because Baseball Reference has him at six feet, and you're 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 a pretty good judge. You're you know you're tall. He's right like around. Herb. He's pro- well, he's he's shorter than me. He's, In cleats, he's, he's shorter. He's six than feet me. tall. Yeah, he's he's yeah. He's a small. Uh, now I'm I'm six three, so I don't know. Like am I. Literally, my perception is different, but uh, I don't. I, I would venture to guess that Andrew Vaughn is not six feet tall. All right, yeah. so yeah, short I'm Andrews. At, I'm gonna look at him in the eye. To eye. It's like <laughs> you're short, like me. Congratulations. <laughs> He's like, well, I'm actually average, uh, average uh, American size. So calm down, Herb. <laughs> I thought an average American was five eight. I thought I was average. No, you're not. You're short. What's is, is average five ten? Five ten. You're yeah. both short, in my opinion. I am. <laughs> I, am I, I am the tiniest. But uh, as, as I always say, like. Bragging about your height is a weird thing because you didn't do anything to gain it. It's just your parents right. and uh, your own genealogy. Are your parents tall? Yeah. Okay. Like, your parents tall? Nah, I'm both tall. I'm taller than both of them. Okay. Like, my dad is, like, six feet tall. My mom's, like, 5'5". Five five, so you'd think, like, uh, I, there's right decent the genes. Right. Like, right my mom, like, I'm 5'8". You know, I don't know. You're so right in the middle. That makes sense. I guess. But like, you'd think it'd be like, you know, <laughs> my mom's kind of tall for a woman's standard. I think, I think average woman height is like five, four, five, five. So like, you know, it's about average. And here I am below average. I don't know. You know, I would have been better at basketball. You got it all Shot in the brain threes. instead of the height. Yeah, it's Tallest hitter on the team, big. his name is Aloy Jimenez, obviously. Six, four. Yeah. Or so. Yeah. Taller than He's you. He's taller than me. Yeah. yeah there you go. Yeah. Is Luis tall? He's, he might be taller than uh, he's about the same height as me. He might be a little taller than me. Okay. Aloy's really tall. Well, it's it's good to. I, think, I would say he's taller than six four, probably. Mm. That Aloy is the thing play. about players when you see them on TV. You could kind of see the how tall they are in real life, but until you meet them, you don't realize how 
big of a people these are. Like Harold Baines, I saw him on TV. I was like, he's a decent size. You meet him in person, the guy now, like my hands are pretty big. He envelops me. He just like pretty much like, hey, crush my hand. I was like, uh, that's a different person. And that's just Harold Baines. I saw uh, Carlos Zambrano one time in person. I was like, uh, no. He's a no, mountain of a human absolutely being. Absolutely not. You this, can you can never judge the height of an athlete based on what you see on TV he is, because you're comparing them solely against other, other athletes. athletes. Yes. If Lucas Giolito walked in here, mm. you you at all. Is he the tallest? Everybody taller than Aloy? Oh, God, he's he's like, like six seven. Yeah. God, he's so uh, Aloy's listed at six four, but you're saying to I me mean, Aloy might even be six. He might five. be. He, I could see him being a little taller than that, yeah. but it's probably fine. I always like covering like when we were coming basketball, like it was like the, especially the NBA draft, they would uh, height with shoes and without shoes. So like we got to really figure out like how because how tall are, are the are the soles on a on a gym shoe? Two three inches. right, but uh, enough to make that. a difference. And you know, I mean, cleats they got to add. A, a couple inches sure. and then the sole. So, yeah. you know, hey, who, who knows? Um, anyways, enough talk about height. Uh, who's the tallest guy you've seen? There's a guy that's just the like, tallest person I've ever seen. No, but like shockingly tall, like baseball player. Is there any like, I mean, well, like well, for a baseball Baines? player, six seven is out of control okay. tall. Like Lucas Giolito is among the tallest players in baseball. I would I would guess. Um, not the tallest White Sox, John Rauch. Well, not ever. I, I just mean currently. I just like that fact. Yeah. John like, Rauch, yes. Who doesn't love a John Rauch fun fact? Everyone loves it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, we don't have any John Rauch fun facts. We'll have some Andrew Benatendi fun facts a little bit later. I uh, do want to get to uh, former pitcher Mark Burley. Uh, he is on the Hall of Fame ballot. This is his third year on the Hall of Fame ballot. And today was a huge day for him because the San Francisco Chronicle, uh, that newspaper releases all of their baseball writers' uh, votes at the same time. Okay. And it was huge because three different people – have added Mark Burley onto their ballot. Uh, thank you, Steve Croner, who added Mark Burley to his ballot of the San Francisco Chronicle. Uh, you also had Christina Carl uh, re-add Burley to her ballot. Uh, in the first year of Burley's candidacy, uh, Christina added Burley and then took him off last year. Uh, and that's the one thing that we have noticed, or at least I've noticed, is uh, with Schilling gone and Bonds gone and Clemens gone, all those steroids go, guys have taken away votes, and Burley has gained some uh, votes through those people. Uh, and then also Susan, uh, Susan Slusser uh, added Burley as well. So three votes for Burley, uh, Burley uh, today, and uh, he is now five votes away for 5%, which if he gets those five votes, he will reach... 2024 candidacy, 5% uh, keeps you on the ballot. Uh, and there's already been 109 public ballots, uh, about 117 totally officially counted, and there's usually about 300. So you just need five more in about 300 ballots. So I think it's pretty safe to say that uh, just like uh, when you're uh, going through the major league season, uh, he's clinched a spot. We could put a little X next to, to Mark Burley's spot. Uh, he'll be uh, back on the ballot in 2024. I don't know if he'll ever be a Hall of Famer, but... Yeah, it's wild to think, though. I mean... The, the caliber of players, for various reasons, of mm -hmm. course, uh, that have been just kind of shuffled right off. Um, and then you've got Mark Burley, who I think even his most ardent supporters would probably definitely call him a borderline guy, yeah. right? Uh, you know, it's shocking to see him uh, stick around a bit, you know, given the quality of, of competition that he, he goes up against. Obviously, we've seen some uh, Twitter controversy in the last few days, right, about people suggesting that there shouldn't be so many mm -hmm. spots open to vote for yeah. every single year. Um, you know, I'm never for telling somebody they shouldn't be recognized for something. So I'm not going to be like, he doesn't belong here. You know what I mean? But uh, it's, it's wild to see how some people evaluate guys, you know, as quote unquote hall of famers, they keep it right at the top 
0.1% of players of all time. And then some people are like, how can I, how can I pick the 10 best players on this sheet? And I don't think one way is right or one way is wrong. It's just interesting. There's such a wide range of opinion on it. When he stopped playing and retired in 2015, if I, if you would ask me then, like, is he a hall of famer? I would say no, not even close. Now I'm still saying, no, he's not a hall of famer and probably not close, but there's some compelling arguments. I mean, Ryan Fagan from, or Fagan from these uh, sporting news wrote a great article today about, each of the players that he did vote for and each of the players he didn't vote for. If you have a chance, go and check that out. But he gave a compelling argument for Burley's inclusion in this. He didn't necessarily say that Burley deserves to be a Hall of Famer, but he was like, there's four, five pitchers in the history of the game or five, four pitchers in the history of the Hall of Fame with 15 consecutive seasons of 200 innings. All four of those guys are in the Hall of Fame. Cy Young, Warren Spahn, Don Sutton, and Gaylord Perry. As we know, his last season, he only went, 198 innings. So that fell short of his 15 consecutive years of 200 innings or more. Something like that is a thing that you will never see again in this era of baseball going forward. And so that has got to be taken account for how good of a fielder he was, how good of a pitcher he was, how fast he was. The only pitcher ever, ever in the history of baseball to face the minimum three times, ever. And so, and he's doing this with 90 mile per hour fastballs. So, yeah, you got to take all the things that Mark Burley encompasses and put them all together and not think of him as Hall of Famer has to be one of the top five pitchers or top five position players in his time. Mark Burley was just consistently good throughout his whole career. And some would say a little, a little better than good. So, I think that maybe not eventually get into the Hall of Fame, but I think the argument for his inclusion. Is not a bad one. He's, yeah. he's made it hard on people, right? Hasn't mm-hmm. he? Because I think he, the thing that comes to mind to my mind with him, is uh, kind of the case with with Devin Hester when when they were talking about putting Devin Hester in the Hall of Fame, and you sit there and you think like Devin Hester, like mm-hmm. he was good at the thing he did, but he wasn't like the best player in football. But he was really good at that thing he did. And yes. Mark Burley, you know, obviously not a specialist. He's a starting pitcher like every other starting pitcher in Major League Baseball was, taking the ball as often as those guys were. But again, it seems like he did one thing or a few things in his case really, really well. Maybe it didn't make him the best pitcher in baseball, but you'd look at it and you go, Boy, he's really good at that. And, like, is that worthy of, of this consideration? He's, uh, he's, he's nothing if not a fun thing to talk about, right? Right. Yeah. Well, he's, he's an odd – it's baseball's – like, I think just – like, only baseball could create a person like this, where it's <laughs> like, you know, he was kind of all right, just a mediocre pitcher when no one was on base. But when he was on base, you couldn't run on him. He would pick you off. Um, he wasn't making too many bucks. And then there's also this thing from Paul Casella on MLB.com who wrote like a, a case for Mark Burley specifically. And, you know, he always had an average ground ball rate, people think, because he worked qu- quick and he was a lefty, um, that he was getting a ton of ground balls. But, you know, his ground ball rate was pretty average, not like Dallas Keuchel levels. Um, but um, Burley forced opposing hitters into 362 ground balls. That's fourth most by any pitcher since the stat was tracked uh, since 1974, only trailing Maddox, Tom Glavin, and Pettit. So, like, just situationally, he was always fantastic, and he has those quirky things like three 27 up and 27 down games in three different ways. One's a no-hitter, one's a perfect game, and then one is, you know, guy gets on, yeah, Yeah. and then double play, guy gets on, double play. Um, Very weird, and I think it's very encouraging to see that he's going to reach that 5% again. Fourth year is going to be a huge year for him, but even Andy Pettit right now, who I think has a similar case, obviously 
Pettit has those postseason stats just because he was a Yankee. Burley wasn't blessed with those appearances, um, but had a fun 2005, like had a really successful 2005 when he was at the, uh, in the postseason. Um, but, uh, and now I lost a trade of thought. Uh, basically, it's a, he's very unique, and uh, Pettit right now is at about like 20% in his fifth year. So if Burley can get up to like 20% in his fifth year, then I think we're even closing in on, you know, what could he get up to? Like if he gets up to 50%, by his 10th year, could this be a veterans committee ad? Like, I, I think that he is a guy, especially how unique he is, 15 years later after the fact, I think people could look back on his career and be like, all right, he's really unique. He deserves to be in. And, you know, I'm a proponent, and you mentioned the guy who was like, oh, I'm not voting for anybody this year, right? Like, you know, I, I'm dropping five people from my ballot. Um, I'm of the stance, like, you should add 10 people onto your ballot, right? I think I think you should max out the ballot. So, of course, if there's one person like me thinking, you know, 10 should be the ad, of course, there's somebody being like, nobody should be voted for. Uh, but at least historically, tracking Hall of Fame inclusion, inclusions and, and voting rates, like, the numbers have dress, dropped, uh, drastically since 1970 there's a, a stat out there from Jeremy Frank basically showing just like the bar to get in has been raised so high to the point where it has become like the hall of very 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 good where it's not just like the hall of fame um like I think the bar could be lowered and a guy like Burley I think he's got a unique twist to his career where I think he does deserve to be included where there's just not a lot of guys like that and yeah. that's baseball's creation I think I mean if you look at Jack Morris's inclusion, the reason why he's mostly included is because of the postseason success that he had. Now, Burley didn't have a lot of postseason success, but he didn't have a lot of opportunities. 2000, he was a rookie uh, reliever. 2005, of course, he did a lot of good things there. And then 2008, and then I think maybe one time with the Toronto Blue Jays, if that is correct, but not a lot of opportunities to go into the playoffs and prove his wares. So I don't think you should put that against Mark Burley as you said, Andy Pettit gets that because he was a Yankee, because he was a Houston Astro, but also, as Who's Your Daddy points out, the PEDs, to me, and you're not that much better than Mark Burley. Like, the B-Wars, similar, very similar. Sean, he did it. Uh, he did the uh, scramble, put scramble the light out there. Yeah. B-War, they're similar. Or. Yeah. <laughs> and so you would think that people who are voting for Andy Pettit, I don't know how you don't vote for Mark Burley. They're the same pitcher with different profiles, like in their in their totality. Like if you just look at B War and all the rest of the stats, they're kind of line up. Pettit was more of a strikeout pitcher than Burley was, but I'm saying like, how do you say mm, that Andy Pettit? He deserves it. Mark Burley? No, he doesn't. So if you vote for one, I think you should vote for the other, unless you have a hard and fast stance against PEDs. Then you well, should vote for Mark Burley. Here, here's here's an interesting question. It's a little bit of a of going off on a different road here but my thought was always like you want to make the hall of fame for fans right yeah, fans right. are are gonna go to cooperstown oh, yeah. they want to see their team's players right in there if if the, the white Sox have jerseys retired obviously right but if you were to make a hall of fame case for white Sox fans nobody was arguing nobody was pounding the table like saying Put Paul Kinerko in the Hall of Fame. Paul Kinerko mm -hmm. belongs in the Hall of Fame. Of course he does. Whereas a lot of people are saying that about Mark Burley, White Sox fans in particular. Who uh, who had the better White Sox career, Mark Burley or Paul Kinerko? I would say Mark Burley. I would definitely say Mark Burley. Just because of all the accolades, uh, four gold gloves, uh, all the, the three 
uh, facing the minimums, the perfect game, the no-hitter, those are huge accomplishments. Now, Paulie did hit the ball well. I think over 400 home runs with the White Sox, second to Paul uh, to Frank Thomas. But at first base, it's tough to say that he had a better career than what Mark Burley did because I think that what Burley did was unique because of his body type, because of where he was drafted, because of how the quick the games got over. And he didn't really strike anybody out. So he was doing this on just smarts and guile. Paul Konerko was a high, highly touted prospect drafted by the Dodgers and failed both at the Dodgers and with the Reds and came here and had a resurgence, great resurgence. And he was one of my favorite players. But if it comes down to it, yeah, Mark Burley. And if they're saying Mark Burley or Paul Konerko, who you want in the Hall of Fame and who's going, like if you're a White Sox fan, who's going to the Hall of Fame to see this player? I think most White Sox fans, like, if Paul Konerko gets in the Hall of Fame, I'm going. But Mark Burley gets in the Hall of Fame, I'm definitely going. I'm there the next day because that's how much I, I think White Sox fans love Mark Burley. I, I see them as very much on the same very much on the same level with each other, and it's very interesting to hear you say that. I'd honestly put Konerko a little bit above him. Like, I think Bur- Burley has a more of a baseball Hall of Fame candidacy. I mean, there's nothing really that makes Konerko unique. He was a first baseman who hit home runs. There's a lot of guys who did that. Um, Mark Burley, he was a lefty who had many different intricacies about his career. But when you're talking about a 15-year career in one place, I mean, it's hard not to say if there was like a Mr. White Sox that it's probably Paul Konerko. Yeah, like if the White Sox make their own Hall of Fame one day, and it seems like every team is doing that, so they'll probably get around to it. Uh, So you get a a three-man first class. You're putting in Frank Thomas. You're putting in Minnie Mignoso. Who gets the third spot if, if it's Burley versus Canerco? And there might be a better pick out there that I'm not mentioning, maybe Louis Aparicio or someone like that. But That's tough. I think Mark Burley. I I would vote for Mark Burley, and I love Paul Canerco. I would even say I would. that Jose Abreu surpassed Paul Canerco, in my eyes, as a better White Sox player. And I will say something, I guess, probably heresy or mm-hmm. you know, uh, along the lines. I think maybe Paul Canerco deserves it more than Frank Thomas. Oh, golly. And That's that, surprising. I mean, Frank, Tom, Frank Thomas is a better player. I'm not saying – and I, Jose Abreu's got better stats than Paul Konerko, but, I mean, 15 years, I mean, Frank Thomas didn't have that here. Paul Konerko was more of a part of the 2005 team than Frank Thomas was. He I was. think people have more of a connection to Paul Konerko than, than Frank Thomas. Sean's showing his age, isn't he? I guess. <laughs> I mean, I, when people say that, like, uh, there's people who are young, like yourself, who <laughs> don't realize how great Frank Thomas was. I'm not saying he wasn't Those numbers great. are insane. I mean, just They're like. insane. Not saying who's a better baseball player. I'm saying who's more of a, a, a Mr. White Sox. I, that's, that's still Frank Thomas, even though he was a dick and just switched the batting uh, order when, uh, for batting practice because he wanted to concentrate on doing his job and didn't want the fans to be bothering him while he's doing his job, he's still the best. And I think everybody would just, like, it's default. Like, White Sox, the best player of all, all time in White Sox history is Frank Thomas. That's like, you say that, he's it's the already best. done. Yes. And I think White Sox fans don't even think about that. That's just, like, second nature. So when you say Paul might be better or more loved, it's like, eh, Frank Thomas is just the guy. Well, and that's what I get for fact-checking, and thank you, Alex, for fact-checking me. Frank Thomas played 16 seasons with the White Sox. Yeah. So, um. it's, not who played how, it's not who played the most seasons after Sean was born. 
Yes. It's, uh, you know, you have well, to consider the time the, before you were born. Then with people who have more experience uh, with me, then I will uh, defer. So Her, Herb, can, uh, Herb can have the, the that's final more say the, in this one. No, that's more the argument. Paul Konerko versus Jose Abreu. You could say Paul Konerko won the World Series, so already he's better than yes. Jose Abreu. But the numbers as a White Sox well, no, no, I'm not, are like, similar. I don't think Vinny's question better. is who's better. Like, who's who's like who is a better quality of player? I think it is who would fans like probably go towards more. Like, I always, right? th- like, who I always they... think that the point of the Hall of Fame is to tell the story of baseball. Right. Yeah. And that's why my opinion is that the, the PED guys should be allowed in. Because yes. you can't tell the story of baseball without them and their ridiculous accomplishments. Specifically, right? yeah. That, w- that brought baseball back. Right. And so I think if you're going to tell the story of baseball, you should include every baseball team. And the high points of those teams are obviously – dictated by those fan bases. And so it was, I was just curious, you know, I think everybody kind of dismissed uh, uh, Paul Konerko's candidacy for the most part. There were, he got a, a vote or two here yeah, or there, mm-hmm. but because, uh, you know, because of the position he plays, you know, he, he's not the best home run hitter ever. There are a lot of people who hit a lot more home runs than he did. And yet we get these very intriguing cases being made, very detailed cases being made, sometimes passionate cases being made for Mark Burley. And, and my thought is that in the minds of White Sox fans, or at least my question, how do those two compare to each other in terms of their levels of quote-unquote greatness or greatness to those fan bases or to that fan, one fan base? Just I, interesting. That's yeah, I, yeah. No, I, I think it is. I, th- I would say, yeah. The strike against Konerko, or the strike against Burley and the strike against Abreu is that they left before their White Sox careers were over. And so you could say that Paul stayed until the end to the bitter end and he was, you know, chugging down the end at the end of his career. And so he stayed loyal to the White Sox where there was opportunities for him to leave multiple times and he stayed loyal to the White Sox. So that might be a feather in his cap that he was a White Sox by choice, not by, you know, you know, through drafted or like Burley (laughs) or free agency like uh, Jose Abreu. And then he uh, left when the White Sox were like, all right, we're moving on. So I guess Paul Konerko in that regard, Vinny, would be that over Jose Abreu and probably over Burley in that regard. But I say just my own opinion, Frank Thomas, whoever in the middle, as uh, Alex Rude wants to put Luke Appling in there. Old Aix and Payne. Yeah, <laughs> Mini Mignoso, and then maybe Mark Burley. Very interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I think part of the thing that boosts up Pauly too is like, he had that run in 2007 and 2009 where he just wasn't that good. And then just, like, kind of got good again. And he was just, like, tearing the ball, cover off the ball. So, it's like, I don't know. There's, like, many different Paul Canerco eras where it's, like, post-World Series, World Series where, I don't know. I, th- I think he has a very interesting career now with the Sox where, you know, Frank was just kind of the best player. And, you know, the worst thing that happened in his career was the 1994 lockout. Like, it, I don't know. Now, like, I think Vinny can speak to it better than I. When I was cutting up tape for the score – Nobody more that I wanted to speak to or listen to more than Paul Konerko because the answers were long and drawn out, but they were to the point eventually, and they were well thought out. Like he was, when you put a microphone in front of his face, I love to listen to it. Burley, not so much. He, you know, he had his common man answers. And uh, Jose Abreu, I don't understand Spanish, but that's on me. So that was I, a thing that I need to improve on because I need to come where he's at instead of him coming to where I'm at. So I would think that Paul Konerko just with that endears himself to the fans a little bit more with his uh, his way to speaking. Yeah, that team spokesman 
oh. role, didn't he? And I think, he so and bad. I think to a lesser degree, Jose Abreu had that too. You mentioned the language barrier, and I think that's probably the number one reason that that you don't think automatically that he fit that role. Um, he tended to speak a little bit more infrequently than Paul Canerco did. Paul Canerco was kind of the guy that folks went to in the clubhouse, really, when anything were to happen. And, and there are people who have that role on the team now. Um, you know, I think as someone like Lucas Giolito, Tim Liam. Anderson had that role for a bit. Since Liam Hendricks has gotten here, he's been that guy. Um, but you're right. Paul Canerco was that guy for a decade, mm-hmm. and uh, you know certainly you can't discount seeing the guy's face on the nightly news every day uh, and associating him with what's going on with the team. This is a stretch, but you can discount sunglasses because Shady Ray has never understood why sunglasses hey, were so expensive. That was not your worst. Thank you. <laughs> Nowhere near your worst, so so good job. So they set out to change uh, it, and interesting good. interesting to, uh, discussion, too. I like, I like the points that you guys brought up. Uh, Shader has never understood why sunglasses were so expensive, so they set out to change it. You don't have to break the bank for quality sunglasses this winter because our friends at Shader Rays have you covered. Shader Rays are premium polarized shades featuring world-class optical clarity, substantial durability, and styles cater to everyone and every lifestyle. And Shader Rays customers seem to agree. With over 200,000 five-star reviews, they are just as good as the expensive pair that Herb bought before Shady Rays mm-hmm. uh, was a partner, and now he's got a Shady Rays, and he came in today looking fly with his Shady Rays. Uh, and also, they stand behind their product and told their team that if anyone has a problem with the Shady Rays, they will throw profit out the window and do what it takes to get it right. They offer free return and exchanges. You either love the shades or Shady Rays will pay them to ship them back. That's it. So exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is running their deepest deal of the season. Use code CHGO for 50% off two or more pairs at ShadyRays.com. You could buy one, get one free. You can get two pairs for as low as $54. Redeem only at ShadyRays.com where you can find all their newest and best shades. Also, we got to let you know about Game Time. Uh, Game Time is the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, Blackhawks, concerts, and shows. If you ever thought of dr- sitting at the 50 yard line, if you ever thought of sitting on the ice uh, for a hockey game, maybe at the uh, center court for a basketball game, uh, you can check that out with Game Time. And the biggest last minute price drops can be found on seats that you never thought you could buy. And you won't find a better deal this season on Blackhawks tickets or Bulls tickets. The Blackhawks are in town tonight playing just a couple blocks away against the Lightning. So if you're looking for something to do tonight, go check out the Blackhawks and the Lightning. It's created by the fans, for the fans, and Game Time guarantees the lowest price. So if you love CHGO, then you love Game Time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets to the link in the description. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time app and score the best seats to all your favorite events. All right, let's get into some Andrew Benatendi talk here. Um, Andrew Benatendi, I found a lot of interesting stuff here. Um, First off, uh, got a couple nicknames for you. Um, and we can guess what they are. Um, very much like the White Sox, it's his name uh, with a Y. Uh, there's Benny. Mm. There's Benny Baseball. Okay. There's Benny Biceps. And that's it. Uh, and, then, and then there's Air Benny. So those are the four nicknames that I found for Andrew Benatendi. So any any stick out? I mean, we're just going to call him Benny? No, I, it's just terrible. I, <laughs> I, like I mean, <laughs> these are just baseball <laughs> names. Like, ugh. Benny Baseball. Hey, Benny. Hey, if Chicago already has Benny the Bull, then maybe we should change his name to Benny the Sock. Ooh, there you go. That's I like not that. bad. And yeah, the, that's and not bad. when I hear Benny, should we make him green? Bad or good? Oh. I hear about that damn Juliana Zobra song where she covered Elton John's. Benny I'm sorry, and the I Jets. think you mean that Elton John song that was ruined by someone. There you go. <laughs> oh God, I just hear that in my head. And he used to do the board for the Cubs, and I just hear it. It's like, how did he let her? <laughs> 
do this for him. It's terrible there. I thought she was a singer. Well, she was and terrible at it. The, the one song that like really stuck out to and me a when terrible I was person too. doing that board. Yeah, I mean, person, just, apparently. just awful. Allegedly. Uh, allegedly. Is it alleged? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, just in case, covering our ass, allegedly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the only other song that like stuck out like to me through the board uh, was Jock Peterson's Walk Up, which is the Timmy Trumpet one. And now, you know, we're getting it just hit with us uh, with uh, Edwin Diaz and his walk-in. Uh, so uh, no wonder that caught my ear because it caught someone else's ear too. Got AJ and Hoosier Daddy both coming together and say, Ben Nintendo. Yeah, I like that. But, you know. Ben again, Nintendo. I don't it's know. wordy. Yeah, it is. Yeah. I, I just like Ben Nintendo. Uh, his, his grandparents are, are from Sicily. Um, I, I, I saw this on his Wikipedia, and uh, I clicked on the, the picture, and uh, uh, if you, I don't know if you guys watched White Lotus, but that was filmed in Sicily, uh, season two, and I was like, oh, he's basically like uh, Michael Imperioli and his kid in this, in this thing. Uh, he could basically go over to the, uh, the, the old land and, and find his, uh, his, his relatives. Uh, Did he play for uh, Team Italy at any point? Oh, no, I didn't look that up. I, didn't, I was I didn't looking at that. World Baseball Classic rosters of years past earlier today, which shows you that I had a lot of time lot in of my time. hands. Um, <laughs> and uh, I was looking. There was one uh, uh, for Team Israel. So Israel has a team, and it's almost entirely made up of uh, Jewish Americans. Uh, Jewish. Uh, there's maybe a yeah. Canadian or two on there that that uh, that are of Jewish descent. Uh, there was there was one year where there was just one guy from Israel. But like I think that should be a good, that's a good rule, right? Yeah. Like because Team Italy is very much the same way. Italian Americans, Italian Canadians, you know, uh, are are playing for Team Italy on a regular basis. Uh, but you know, you should have to have one guy from 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 that actual for the country. Twenty seventeen yeah. World Baseball Classic. Uh, apparently, him and Joey Gallo were on the preliminary roster for, for Team Italy, and Team then Italy. bailed. Yeah, I'm, or, I'm not sure if he ended were up removed for some reason. Yeah, if, if he ended up playing. And to them. talk to your point, Vinny, the Dutch. The Netherlands, they encompass all the players from Curacao. Yes. So that's a territory of theirs. But there's a fun fact. Apparently, the, in the Netherlands, they like baseball too. They've got a whole little baseball thing going on there actually in the Netherlands as well. So they're ne that Netherlands team, yes, like you said, mm -hmm. mostly uh, uh, other people from other uh, places that aren't the Netherlands, but they do have a few. I, uh, going over those rosters as I was doing well, earlier today. And the last uh, World Baseball Classic, like it was my favorite when like some of the, the the people were coming out of the woodshed for like their their uh, countries. Like one of the guys that made a comeback was Eric Gagne. Um, came Team Canada back, came back for Team Canada. Nice. So uh, yeah, uh, very very interesting what uh, the World Baseball Classic can bring out. Two things we were talking about that Marcus Stroman was chided and heckled by the I think the Puerto Rican team because his mom is Puerto Rican mm. and he you could see in the times where he was pitching against them he meant business and I think this time he's actually pitching for Puerto Rico which is a weird oh, really? thing because I, I if I'm correct on that he won the world baseball classic for the United States him and the United States won that because basically uh, uh, mostly because of his pitching and he might be switching over to the Puerto Rican team this time yeah, yes. to pitch for them. And secondly, for a nickname for Andrew Benatendi, as you know, and you know, I like to do the full names. So his full name is Andrew Sebastian Benatendi. Another Sebi. So I will going to say. Crab, the crab. I'm going to call him. Well, you call him the crab. Or, Benny the crab. Or you call him Seabass. And then you can say, kick his ass, Seabass. There you go. <laughs> what is that from? Is that from uh, Dumb and Dumber, I believe? I think it's from Dumb and Dumber. You are right about the Stroman thing too, by the way. He yeah, is, yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, he'll be he'll be pitching for Puerto Rico. Um, yeah, I mean we got two 
You got two Sebastians on this team. That's that's pretty fun. Seabass. Um, we also got a. We, we talk about Colson Montgomery and uh, his uh, his two sport athlete ability, uh, playing baseball and playing uh, basketball. Uh, Andrew Benatendi was uh, not only a star baseball player in uh, Madeira, Ohio, uh, but he was also a star basketball player. Ballin scored twenty five points in his senior year. Five nine. And I found Wait. this. He scored 25 points game. per game in his senior year. Oh, yeah, no, 25 points oh, per, per game. game. I'm so oh, sorry. Okay. That's a lot say. for that's a lot for high school or college. <laughs> mm-hmm. 25 points per game, 4.3 rebounds per game, 2.7 assists per game, and 2.6 steals per game in his senior year. Um, and also uh, against Indian Hill, he had this. Kevin, uh, we have that video. Driving right. And uh, put his team up 58-57. But, uh, I was going to say, I would have appreciated a score bug or something there, so I knew what I was watching. I was like, is that just a just a first-quarter layup? No. People going nuts. It was, <laughs> I, I, so I, I tried to end with uh, end it on the scoreboard because the, the guy who filmed it did a fantastic job of, of, of actually filming the scoreboard. Good uh, job was, to that uh, 15-year-old kid, in, yes. in, or formerly 15-year-old kid in, in the Cincinnati area. It's a 2012 YouTube video. Um, yeah, it was 56-57. That Andrew Benatendi layup made it 50. 5857 uh and I just love uh the the the, the true uh, moment where that whole crowd like held their breath there like that was palpable and then it goes in and the explosion there so uh Andrew Benatendi is a hooper uh he might be the best basketball player on the team I would have appreciated uh, some some pep band action would have liked to hear some you know heck yeah some high school pep band uh going on there that would have brought me back to when I had a, I had a solo tuba solo Ooh. in hey baby so you know that was always <laughs> a, a highlight nice. of the year how would you feel about a baseball team having like a uh, college style band I would love it yeah. Absolutely love it. Ooh. So I could critique their song choices all the time. And uh, apparently, sorry to uh, head, headphone users. Uh, my bad to uh, Matt McCory and uh, KPW there. I'll uh, definitely when I do the uh, when I do the timestamps, put it there yeah. and say, "Hey, watch out! You're gonna you're gonna die um, <laughs> right here." Got a couple more high school fun facts for you uh, for Andrew Benatendi. He was Gatorade Baseball Player of the Year. Um, so I went through Gatorade Baseball Player of the Years from Ohio. Uh, one of the first ones. First award given out was 1985 and 1986. Guy wasn't really that notable. The next year, though, 1986, 1987, the second year they gave it out, some guy named Ken Griffey. He's all so right. He was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, 2002, 2003, Chad Billingsley, a uh, oh. former Dodger. Uh, Just as impressive as Ken Griffey. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Same <The> career. <laughs> only time a player was two-time Gatorade Baseball Player of the Year in Ohio was 2003, 2004, and 2004, 2005, Former Mets pitcher John Neese. Mm. Odd that I he very, was. Yeah. Very, almost forgot entirely who that was. Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> 2006, 2007, Derek Dietrich, formerly of the Reds. Uh, Miami Come of the Marlins. guns, yes. Yeah, yeah, as well. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. And, and then 2012, 2013, Andrew Benatendi. So those are your uh, Gatorade Baseball Player of the Year from the state of Ohio. Did not the, uh, Kyle Schwarber. I was one award no, about no Middletown's Schwar- uh, no Schwarber. Kyle Schwarber. Yeah. Uh, He's I, probably, I know he won like all-conference linebacker too. Maybe he was a better football player than baseball player at that time and then took it to the next level. Um, I think. At Indiana. He was, uh, what year? I think they might have overlapped. Oh, uh, wow. 2014. No, so he would have been, yeah, 2013 was probably his uh, 
his uh, his high school years. Yeah, I'm not sure why uh, why Schwarber wasn't one of them. I guess Schwarber wasn't that good enough. Hey, there you go. Um, and then also got uh, uh, this tidbit from the 2013 draft. Uh, obviously, he's from Ohio. Um, Red selected no- local native Ben Attendee in the 31st round uh, of the 2013 draft. When the Red Sox stopped in Cincinnati in 2018, Ben Attendee had three sections full of bleachers. Uh, so about 1,000 fans were in attendance for uh, Ben Attendee when he returned uh, to Cincinnati. So we might have some local stuff here. And then uh, there's another screenshot, Kevin, uh, of the WCPO report. Um, and basically, the Reds could have had him. Uh, the one thing that they didn't like was his size. Uh, of 69 inches uh so he measured in at 59 and that's why they didn't end up giving him the signing bonus of 1.2 million he ended up signing two years later with the red sox for 3.6 so reds could have had a nice investment there but they uh, decided not to do that in the 31st round and uh it's funny talking about baseball drafts with the 31st round where now it's yeah. shrunk down to 20 rounds uh so just uh, funny how the stuff usually works but also i think that he probably needed that SEC baseball experience to hone the player that he was going down to Arkansas and doing the things that he did there where he won the Golden Spikes Award and the Dick Hauser Award were necessary for him to be the baseball player that he was. I don't know in the red system if he's a teenager coming there and they develop him correctly the way the Boston Red Sox had and he uh, becomes the player in the White Sox or sign him when he's a 28-year-old. Yeah, he was uh, – he uh, basically was – always committed to Arkansas. He really wasn't uh, too too uh, interested in, in not going to college. But I guess, you know, if they gave him the money, he might have. Um, hey, he but, had to go play for uh, for Dallas Keuchel's alma mater. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so, James McCann, too, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, I was, I was going to bring this up. So, uh, University of Arkansas players, um, and this is hitters only, so um, you do have uh, some pitchers as well uh, in here. You have uh, Cliff Lee, Dallas Keuchel, Ryan Stanek, Drew Smiley, uh, some very you know, legends uh, of the baseball world. But hitters, uh, there are ten pl- or nine players who have uh, played in more games, more MLB games, uh, who went to – University of Arkansas, uh, then Ben Attendee. Uh, James McCann, number nine. Uh, Logan Forsyth, fifth. Remember him. And uh, Eric Hinsky, two. Uh, those were basically the, uh, the guys that were uh, more notable, at least that I would recommend. I don't Blue know Jays if you guys great. knew uh, Kevin McReynolds. Yes, of okay. course. Johnny Matt? Ray. No. I know him from old Johnny Ray. That's uh, from, uh, from uh, what? Uh, Come on, Eileen, right? Yeah. Isn't that in there? So, yeah, that's that guy. Uh, Jeff King. Remember him, Red, right? Okay, Gene Stevens, he was from the 50s. Randy Jackson, not that Randy Jackson. He was from the 50s. Uh, and then Tom, Pagan- Tom Peg- Pagnazzo? Yeah, the former. Tom Pagnazzi? Yeah, former Cardinal, right? Okay, yeah, former Cardinal. Uh, so those are the Arkansas greats uh, for, for Major League Baseball. Uh, no one went to Madeira High School uh, to the Major Leagues outside of Benintendi, uh, but getting into the Golden Spikes Award that you brought up here, uh, here are the Golden Spikes players, uh, or Golden Spikes Award winners who also played for the Sox. Ben Attendee in 2015. You guys got any other guesses? Or I know Herb already looked at the list. Yeah, I already know two of them specifically. Well, three of them specifically. My favorite player of White Sox history, Robin Ventura. He went to Oklahoma State. Golden Spikes. Uh, Alex Fernandez. I think he went to Miami Community College. Mm Mm-hmm. And, of course, Andrew Vaughn. Yep. So, uh, Vaughn in 2018, out of Cal. Uh, Fernandez, out of Miami in 1990. Uh, Robin Ventura uh, in 88, out of Oklahoma State. Uh, Benintendi, out of Arkansas in 2015. A.J. Reed 
in 2014. <laughs> Cleanup hitter to cut the next day. Um, uh, AJ Reed. AJ Reed. Poor AJ Reed. Yeah, he is on the all rebuild team, isn't he? He oh, might he be is. captaining the all rebuild team. He's the, he's the first baseman of the all rebuild. I team. always think of. Odrisa Merdespanye first, but A.J. Reed's not too far back. Yeah, A.J. Reed's a pretty good. If anyone has an A.J. Reed jersey out there, let us know. Um, I, that was what Chuck's going to find it. Chuck will find it. Chuck will yeah. find <laughs> it. Uh, one, one of the only photos I have with uh, my girlfriend at a White Sox game, uh, the caption on Instagram is uh, two pictures, uh, two players, uh, or picture two people who are better at baseball than A.J. Reed. Um, so, She's mean. Yeah, yeah, hey, well, he wasn't that good. Um, I mean, he, he won the Golden Spikes Award. Yeah, yeah but he wasn't exactly. that good in Major League. Uh, and then, uh, a 19, cup of coffee, that's nice. 1995, this guy's still around, Mark Kotze, current uh, uh, manager, ma- of the A's. manager of the A's. Uh, former White Sox great. Yes, uh, yeah. former White Sox great. And then uh, 1987, in the uh, back half of his career, Jim Abbott uh, was a White Sox and a Golden Spike winner uh, out of the University of Michigan. Uh, so there's your, your Golden Spike history for, uh, for the White Sox. Not too, not too in-depth, but uh, we'll get into about 2015 and uh, the back half of his career in a second. And I know it's not necessarily a White Sox, but a guy that managed for the White Sox organization, yeah. Tito Francona. Terry Francona was a Golden Spikes Award winner. I think he went to Arizona State back in the early 80s. I knew you were going to bring it up, but I was like, eh, players, you know? Yeah. Eh, you know. But there's a lot of, like, Mark Kotze, now the current managers. Mark Kotze on that list. Of course, Tito Francona. There's one more. Robin Ventura. Robin Ventura also. Great Um, manager. One of the best. One of the earlier guys, Augie. (laughs) Augie something. uh, Augie Ojeda. No, Former he, Cub. Uh, he 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 ends. He he's a, a college coach up in uh, Augie Wisconsin. Garrido? Oh no, no not, not the one. Texas guy. Uh, I, I thought it was the Texas guy, but then this guy was like uh, he had a short minor league career uh, and then just went back to the college that his dad was the coach at and then took over for his dad and now is just the coach. Uh, so basically, you know that that, that uh, career path was set up for that Augie. Uh, but anyways, let's take a quick break and we'll talk about uh, the 2015 draft where the White Sox basically first came in touch with uh, Andrew Benatendi, or, or they could have got their hands on him first. Uh, but we first got to let you know about the ComEd Energy Efficiency Program. It's committed to helping families and businesses in the communities we serve manage energy usage and lower energy bills. Now into the future, ComEd offers a wide array of incentives on lighting and other efficiency upgrades to commercial, industrial, and public sector customers of all sizes across our territory. And customers can inquire about how to upgrade outdated lighting to energy and money-saving efficient LED lights. Learn more about network lighting to operate your lights through your mobile device and track your facility's energy usage and more. Incentives have recently increased for indoor outdoor lighting and network lighting controls making these projects even more cost effective than ever before so visit comed.com slash powering biz that's comed.com slash powering biz now to start saving money and energy start project contact us at 1-855-433-2700 and for more information email business ee at comed.com or public sector ee at comed.com and before you keep on going Phil Nevin, another manager that won the Golden Spikes Award winner. He's the current L.A. Angels manager. And this is a weird thing. I looked it up. All the Golden Spikes Award winners still with us. Oh, all good. That's good. Bob Horner, 1978 winner, still with us. It's not that old. Every single college in 78. That's That's interesting. That's That's 44 years ago. Yeah. Cubs legend Phil Nevin. Yes. Cubs legend Phil Nevin. (laughs) Thank you, Kevin. Uh, We got to let you know about FOCO. And I was very excited. Uh, first off, Chicago, you've already got the best coverage uh, for your favorite team, so get fitted in the best sports gear around. You've got uh, Foco's got you covered from Soldier Field to the living room, sorry, front room, Thank you. north or south side, <laughs> with hoodies, slippers, signs, bobbleheads, and everything in between. Uh, if you're looking for the perfect fo- 
uh, gift uh, for the Chicago fan in your life, check out foco.com, foco.com, or click the link in the description below. For all non-presale items, use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. Again, foco.com, or click the link in the description below. And I mentioned all non-presale items because there's bobbleheads on foco.com. And I've mentioned the Dallas Keuchel gold glove bobblehead. But do you know what is not on presale right now? Do you know what you can get 10% off of right now on foco.com? An Andrew Benatendi Arkansas Razorback bobblehead. Wow. So you can get ten that for 10% off. I'm shocked that exists. Very that nice. Good. That would look pretty good in, on the in table. A, in a red jersey, yeah. yeah. Hey, I, I was looking around. Oh, and, uh, yeah, <laughs> they, had a, they had a Benny Baseball uh, giveaway back in 2018 at, at, at University of Arkansas, but then I was led down the road of foco.com where they have their own version of a, uh, a hogs andrew benatendi Incredible. so uh very interesting and uh there's there's a couple andrew benatendi bobbleheads out there i mentioned air benny uh that was a play in game two of the 2018 world series brian dozier twin legend is up david price on the mound fifth inning dodgers up 2-1 dozier rips one into the corner of the the the, the, the monster and benatendi like leaps up and makes this very galloping catch it was, it was very nice uh from from Andrew Benatendi uh and then also he was uh noted for uh, I think it was game four of the 2018 ALCS 8-6 White Sox legend Craig Kimbrell on the mound uh 0-0 count Bregman up 8-6 bases loaded ninth inning all been there before and Bregman gets a high inside fastball turns on it and Benatendi dives full layout makes the final out crazy catch uh so I mean hey if we're looking at uh defensive prowess uh he's he's got it in big moments but uh, look no yeah. further i mean look at that i mean wow. you know that that moment right there you close the glove too early pops out you know you, you're just a little bit too hard i mean that's just probably the toughest play in baseball to like get a just just nose diving uh ball like that and i think also his playing left field at Fenway, that was, of course, in Houston, kind of helped him with the short Crawford boxes behind him. He understood, you know, anything over hit over my head, it's mm-hmm. a double anyways. And same thing with Fenway, and so that was perfect place for him to play. And he's above average outfielder, so I think that uh, he's going to bring that nice glove to the White Sox. And he's ready for clutch, too, so I'm good for that. Hopefully. We need it. Uh, so let's go to the 2015 MLB draft. Uh, very interesting because the White Sox could have had Andrew Benatendi. Uh, Andrew Benatendi was selected seventh overall in the 2015 uh, baseball draft. Uh, the Red Sox selected him out of Arkansas. And with the eighth pick, Chicago White Sox took Carson Fulmer out of Vanderbilt. Uh, just interesting to see, like, the White Sox, huge spot has been right or left field. And if they took Benintendi or were lucky enough to take Benintendi uh, back in the day, they wouldn't need to make this massive signing. They wouldn't need to make the franchise uh, extend. Well, I guess maybe they'd make an, a, a, a record extension with Benintendi, but they wouldn't have to go out because he already be in the organization. It's kind of a, a crazy what if at that point, just if the, the Red Sox decide, hey, what if we like Ian Happ better, you know, who went uh, two picks after? Uh, you know, it, it's a very interesting what if if we're playing what ifs like uh, we were with Chuck just the past week. I mean, the draft is just full of those because the baseball draft more than any other sport you can get somebody that's good from any pick in the draft, any round in the draft. You can get someone that's bad with the number one pick in the draft. So <laughs> the uh, the the hit rate is just completely up in the air, and the what-ifs are all over. Of course, the most famous one out there would be Mike Trout going way down in yeah. the first round on the draft board. Uh, you know, everybody goes, oh, what if some other team would have picked him? There were a bunch of teams that could have picked him, including his own team who had a pick <laughs> before they took Mike Trout. Hey, yeah. uh, and you mentioned Randall the Richick? 
Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Um, I mean, he had well, a career. He had a good career. He went into the majors. Went two for two on, Mike, on first-round draft picks. Michael Nelson, Trout, um, let's go. The, we, know, we all know the 2015 uh, number one overall pick uh, is a bust and is horrible at baseball and uh, will probably amount to nothing. It's Dancy Swanson. And oh. I was just trying to get Kevin <laughs> get, to get, know to Cubs fan. Get mad. Yeah. Okay. He, he's, That's uh, World Series champion Dancy Swanson. Oh, there you go. Um, to be t- hopefully two-time World Series champion Dancy Swanson. But even with that, too, uh, Carson Fulmer take t- took, take an eighth out mm-hmm. of Vanderbilt. Uh, teammate Walker Bueller taking 24th. See? So, there you go. Um, and also, Josh Naylor was taking uh, 12th. So, in that area, the Sox could have had Josh Naylor, too. When I was watching the College World Series that year specifically, I think the the reason why is because the Illini were in that College World Series, or uh, the qualifying at least, and Carson Fulmer was dominant during that time. And I do remember Walker Bueller, but Carson Fulmer was the guy. He was the the headliner. He was the Friday Saturday pitcher, the Friday pitcher for the Vanderbilt uh, Commodores. So I don't too much blame the White Sox. I mean, they're supposed to be a little bit smarter than anybody else. In in hindsight, yeah, you could see it's a bad pick. But at the time, I don't recall a lot of people saying, eh, Carson Fulmer, he was going to break down, blah, blah, blah. I remember the the talk about Chris Sale, why he dropped to wherever, 13th in the 13th overall. Hey, he's going to have Tommy John. He's going to break down. That's why you got him. Same thing with the third overall pick, Carlos Rodon, which turned to be prophetic because he did have a lot of injuries for the White Sox. But I remember Carson Fulmer. People were like, man, you got Carson Fulmer at eight? Solid. Great pick, White mm-hmm. Sox. So I I don't blame them for that one. I who who could have known that Ian Happ was going to turn into the player that he is now? Right, and and hey, and you know, Benintendi's going to turn into. I mean, they all thought they were good, but if you're going to have a front line starter like Carson Fulmer and what he was project, projected to be, I think I would take a front line starter over a eventual good hitter because those are hard to find. I guess, but I especially mean, especially when they're cheap, like like Vinny was saying. I mean, in the top ten or just even in the baseball draft, it's tough to find. That guy, uh, but I mean, when you look at Banintendi's last year in college, uh, hit three seventy six, four eighty eight, uh, seven seventeen. Uh, him and his teammate Andrew Vaughn uh, will be able to talk about what it's like to get on base fifty percent of the time in college. Uh, his walk to strikeout ratio was fifty to thirty two. Uh, makes sense why this guy was a a, a top pick. Uh, and I think it's very interesting his career. Like the big need for the Sox, I thought was power. He's not going to bring power, um, but what he's brought consistently is a hit tool, the ability to get on base, the ability to to to, to uh, hit his way on. Um, and since 2017, uh, his first full year in the majors, six players, six outfielders slash DH have more hits than Andrew Benatendi. Andrew Benatendi has 747 hits. Uh, since 2017. Can you name the six outfielders slash DHs above them? Kevin, feel free to jump in. Mike Trout. Mike Trout, not on there. Wow. What? Wow. Is Mike Trout, 20, he's Mike Trout 24th. Okay. Yeah, he's been wow. injured a ton. He has so less hits than Chris Bryant. Wow. They're, they're, uh, Chris Bryant, 633 at 23. Oh, uh, he's technically considered an outfielder for some reason. Yeah, yeah okay. right. Uh, yeah. Mike Trout, 24th, 620, uh, 626. Mm-hmm. All right. Go through the criteria again, so I can because Mike Trout's not in a, a thing, and I'm uh, flabbergasted. Since 2017, most hits for outfielders. Oh God, um, I would say, how about um, Charlie Blackman? Yep, two mm. 923. Starling, Starling Marte. Uh, Marte eighth, right below Benintendi uh, with 744. Wow, 
I'm just trying Ooh. to think. This is hard. It's, well, right, Kevin, Kevin's now just Google it. Well, I don't think it's Mickey Mantle, so I think uh, I don't. Is think it Tris Speaker? <laughs> <laughs> it's funny when you Google MLB outfielders, it just gives you a whole hodgepodge. MLB of outfielders, here. and like one of the top fifteen results is Avi Garcia, and I know <laughs> that he doesn't. Didn't right Gr- after Willie Mays, <laughs> Robbie Grossman, Michael Taylor, Mickey Mantle, and the guy that was at the top, Michael Brantley, is he there? Uh, let's see. Oh, Brantley. Uh, sorry. No, Brantley's 12. He just hurts. He gets uh, hurt all the time. Did we say Mookie Betts yet? Uh, no, Mookie Betts is fourth. 863. What about... So, Blackman and Betts have been guessed. Correct. Stanton? No. No Stanton. Stanton's hurt too much. Oof. You want, you want some guesses? Yeah. Uh, some how, about, uh, how about uh, Christian Yelich? Yelich is six. There 803. Go. There you go. Very nice guess. Yeah. Uh, so, Yelich, Betts, and Blackman so far. We've all got one. Um... Give me another. Uh, since 2017, let's see who's been in the league. I'm gonna just look at the name right there and say maybe Ronald Acuna. I know he was out no. for a long time. Yeah, no, no Acuna. I think Acuna made his debut in around like 2019 too. So okay. he's a he's a little bit behind the eight ball there. Um, <laughs> I'm just laughing. <laughs> one's a former individual indiv- interdivisional rival. Um, one's a former Cub. The other one most recently played on the Red Sox. Okay. Um, Most recent teams, Toronto, Philly, Boston. George Springer? No. Springer, 14th, 705. Nick Castellanos. Nick Castellanos, third, 881. Wow. Former former Cub and current Philly. Uh, You said Toronto? Toronto. Current Toronto Blue Jay? Uh, Yeah. I think. Jesus, Tay Oscar Hernandez? No, that no, he's well. Right. He's now a he is now no, a Seattle Mariner. Now no longer a Toronto Blue Jay. You, you know what? That happened when you were in Australia. <laughs> oh, and now you're back from KPW, Australia. And this is a weird one. Whit Merrifield. Yeah, Whit Merrifield yeah. is the yes. leader. Whit Merrifield also has technically an outfielder, that, I guess. Yeah, he's a second baseman <laughs> outfielder. Nine hundred and forty-seven hits for him. Uh, final guy, more of a DH than an outfielder. Boston. Oh, did he guess it? Yeah, JD Stokes got it. Uh, JD JD Martinez. JD Martinez. Okay. So also, I find it funny. Everybody's taking big credit in the chat. We had Kevin's ridiculous list of Hall of Fame slash bench <laughs> yeah, right. outfielders up, and we did not see any of your comments. So yeah, thank I, you for your help, but we didn't see it. I'm so really Adam surprised. Eaton. Yes, Albert yeah, Elmora. Yeah. You know Tony Gwynn and Albert Elmora <laughs> yes. Jr. They're both outfielders. <laughs> Melot, Carl Yastrzemski, and Yasiel Puig. Yes, um, Albert Elmora. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not uh just don't Google MOB outfielders. You won't get the best. But Alvaro more available? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, hey, he comes right up on Google. If front office, if a front office's strategy is just to Google <laughs> MLB outfielders, hmm, wonder if there's any we can get out there. Almora, Adam Eaton. Well, Ty it, Cobb. Well, now that, now that <laughs> you can get him, I don't know if you could sign him. Now that Mickey Mantle's been brought up, I was watching uh this video from Foolish Baseball, and uh, he showed just basically the ridiculousness of Aaron Judge's last year, and you were surprised that he was playing center field. Um, The stat was uh, highest OPS by any center fielder. He had the third highest OPS for any center fielder. Yeah, Uh, and the the guy who uh, had the two better seasons, Mickey Mantle. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, uh, pretty ridiculous that the 6'7 guy who's as tall as Lucas Giolito is agilely playing uh, (laughs) center field out there. Uh, But, yeah, Andrew Benatendi, uh, not going to bring a ton of pop, but – Play 700 games over the past, you know, five seasons. Like, that's what the White Sox need. The White Sox need somebody who is going to play. The White Sox need somebody who is going to play decent defense, and they got that. Consistency. You know? Right, consistency. And we saw the the spark that Elvis Andrews' consistency brought to the team. And I think that 
if Andrew Bentendi, when the signing becomes official, I'm looking at him as a two-hitter in this White Sox lineup because of his ability to get on base and also his handedness, left-handedness to break up all that right-handedness. And I think he would be the only, you know, now Gavin Sheets is the only strictly left-handed hitter on the team. They have a couple switch hitters there. But I like his on base. I like his hitting profile. I would love for him to hit for more power. And that's the thing. Like in college, I know it's a metal bat, hit for power. In the minors, he hit for power. And then it's just been, you know, drained because it's a much tougher league. He's not necessarily like a guy that you, it's going to be hitting single digits like he did last year. That's an anomaly. But if he can get up to 25, like I said, two times in his five-year career we're here with the White Sox, I think that will be uh, what the White Sox need, and that will be a great signing for them. Because if he could bring the power bat with along the the getting on base, I think the White Sox got a steal there. Well, in 2021, he hit. 17 which would have led the team so I mean that's 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 great I mean if that's if that's a floor that he could give I mean I I would be thrilled with the signing if he gives you 10 I'd be fine with 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 that power out or that power output um you know like it's it's his reason isn't to hit home runs but if you have Tim Anderson who's getting on at a 330 clip and you have Andrew Benatendis who's hitting at a 330 clip probably going to be really easy for Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert to drive in runs. And it's, again, just about those guys staying healthy. If Luis Robert doesn't play 140 games, that $75 million contract for Andrew Benatendi doesn't mean much because Benatendi is supposed to be driven in by that guy. Um, so if he does his job, doesn't really matter, you know, what his he's doing because, you know, the guys behind him aren't doing their job or at least aren't staying healthy. So, um, you know, it's, it's not on Benatendi. He isn't supposed to be the savior. He's supposed to give you – consistency uh like you said so uh it's gonna be interesting to meet him uh what, what the personality's like uh you know what what, what kind of edge he'll bring or if he'll just kind of be quiet and you know just kind of going and doing his job like a benny baseball guy would you know uh and i, I brought up you know you brought up benny the bull benny the socks mm-hmm. I, I said make him green because of softball like if mm-hmm. we're if we're thinking you know i'm thinking of the weird benny the bull one where it's kind of an inflatable mascot i'm thinking you know green guy a, a basically a green version of Benny the Bull. Sure. Yeah. Andrew Benintendi, the Incredible Hulk, is what you're trying to turn basically. him into. Gotcha. Yeah. Hey, maybe he'll hit 20 home runs. Um, <laughs> anyways, that's uh, meeting Andrew Benintendi. Uh, hopefully, we'll uh, be able to uh, talk about the official announcement in, in the upcoming days uh, if the White Sox are, are making that official. But that's Vinny Duber. You can follow him on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter, at Ecknerwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. And I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter, at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Uh, thank you to everybody in the chat for hanging out with us. Uh, uh, who's your daddy saying Sean's coming around on Ben Nintendo? Wow, you, it rolled right off your tongue there. It, well, yeah, it did. Yeah. It's was, it was pretty easy to say. You are coming around on it, I think. <laughs> ben Nintendo's fun. Um, if, he's a, if he's got good vibes, I'll, I'll be in, you know? But is he, what version of Nintendo is he? Is he Nintendo? Is he Super Nintendo? Is he a Nintendo 64? Is he a Nintendo... Is it GameCube? Is GameCube, that? that was Nintendo, yes. Yeah. I was trying to go in order. I think I stopped again. GameCube. Or is he a Nintendo Wii? What's those ones that we had with the Tetris? Game Boy. Game Boy. Yeah. Nintendo Game Boy. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, he can't be 64 because that's not his number. What if he was number 64? That would be sick. That'd be cool. That'd Do be it. sick. I, I think that then he would be... Then he would be Ben, ben Nintendo, Nintendo 64. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I, <sighs> or ju- And just for short, Ben 64. See? <laughs> we've already got it for if you. If you're listening... That's your number. It's very Sox, easy. Socks marketing department. Just sign. Hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> you guys got a favorite N64 game? Donkey Kong 64. Okay. That was my um, GoldenEye. 
Yeah. It can't go oh, wrong nice. with Goldeneye. Good Mar- Mario Kart. It was the only one I understood. Mario Kart. Mar- I was big. I was low key big Mario Tennis fan. Oh mm. yeah. With yeah. the Wii. No, it, oh, just regular yeah. Okay. Any of those wrestling games, those WWE wrestling games, you could grab the trash cans out of the crowd. Those were always fun. Hey, back when it, it, we had an N64, we called it WWF. <laughs> <laughs> WWF, no mercy. Yeah, they um, hand us. Yeah, Ben Nintendo, what, he was 94. He's probably more of a GameCube kid, if anything. Big GameCube guy, yeah. Andrew Ben Nintendo. You got to ask him that. Yeah, Just be like, hey, be my first yeah, if you had a if you, if you had a console choice, maybe Nintendo specifically, what what do you rock? Uh, but anyways, uh, thank you, Kevin. She was like Commodore sixty four. Yeah. Shut up, <laughs> get out of here. Huge, huge Genesis, uh, Sega Genesis guy. Yeah. Um, thank you to Kevin Wells for producing the show as well, and uh, we will talk to you tomorrow here on the CHGO Sports YouTube channel at four p.m. Go Sox.